Hey, it's Jonathan Van Ness. Americans United for Separation of Church and State defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose, so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms like abortion rights, marriage equality, public education, and even American democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs. Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU at au.org slash curious. Darling, I was on a vacation recently and stayed at an Airbnb, and then I realized that while I was away, my empty house could be making money, honey. If you're someone like me that is busy and not home all the time, your home could be an Airbnb. And it's actually pretty simple to get started. Even if you don't have a whole house, you could start with just a spare room. Personally, I really enjoy staying at Airbnbs. I really do. I love a good Airbnb. Who is that? Come back, British you. And it really is a great way to like support local economy and support local people. So Airbnb is fabulous. And I know I was doing my British voice earlier, but we love Airbnb. So think about what you could do with some extra cash. Whether you're looking to treat yourself to something nice, like a shopping spree or a spa day, or start a whole side hustle, Airbnb can help you be that person. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, curious people. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and welcome to Getting Curious. Last year, I was minding my own business, and one of my really close friends got very into video games. If you've been listening to the pod for a while, you may know that I've talked about her a few times, and if you have ever come to one of my shows, I do some stand-up about video games as well. So, I think it's because like once you get obsessed with something, then you start noticing the other news stories about it. So since I become obsessed with Fortnite, I just feel like I get more like articles about gaming on like my Apple News. Um, then I started hearing more people talking about like I've heard stories about people meeting each other on Fortnite, starting relationships, getting married uh, from meeting online, like from online gaming forums. Um, I've heard stories about like young people becoming becoming completely like addicted to video games. I've heard stories of online radicalization with video games. Um, and I also am like, but crazy obsessed with Fortnite. Like it is so beautiful. It's stunning. It's like, I don't know how they make it. It's like, it, it just next level. And I, 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 sometimes after I play Fortnite for a few hours, I'll be trying to go to sleep and I can't sleep because I, all I'm thinking about is like the tre- the sound that the treasure boxes make when you open them. It's like, nah. Um, or just like the the theme music of Fortnite. It's just, it's so good. And so really the question that I'm asking is like, why am I so obsessed with video games? And so to talk about this, we're bringing on not one, but two experts who both happen to be gamers themselves. Megan Condis is an assistant professor of communication studies at Texas Tech University. Her book, Gaming Masculinity, Trolls, Fake Geeks, and the Gendered Battle for Online Culture was published in 2018 by the University of Iowa Press. Sibby Barton is the director of the Esports Competition and Streaming Lab at Texas Tech and is a member of the Queer Women in Esports organization. And stick around to the end of the episode where I'm going to go through like the high points of what I learned and if I was able to answer my question. Megan, Sibby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having hey. us. Hey! Obviously, like, you know, Megan, I know... You're at Texas Tech and Sibby, you're at um you're at the mm-hmm. you're all, you're at the streaming lab at Texas Tech. So you're both Texas Tech uh, people, but like what do you guys study and what are you like interested in about about games or mm-hmm. about gaming? 
Sibby, go first. Only because my my eyes looked at you first. <laughs> no, fine. Um, yeah, I have been involved with video games as in in a hobby for my whole life, and when um, the support from academics started supporting video games and curriculum, and we'll talk about esport teams, and I'm sure here in a bit too. But how you know the nerds have always been cast away, and now we're seeing a huge investment from our you know, academic universities and colleges. And so I was able to get involved with that work um, through my career and ended up getting a job. What I'm doing now is I'm teaching uh, video game courses. It's part of a, a curriculum and a certificate that we have in the college. So when you think of baby Sibby and I'm like, hey, this is what you're going to be doing, sis, in 30 years, I'm going to be ecstatic. <laughs> okay, so then Megan, tell us about what you do. Yeah, so I came into this space uh, starting as a researcher. So I was really interested in figuring out how it was that people expressed their identities through online games and whether that was through like, I'm going to design an avatar that either represents like me in the real world or that represents this kind of like you know, image of what I'd like to project of myself, whether it means choosing a screen name or whether it means, um, you know, how I organize and uh, the kind of, you know, communities that I form around myself, because a lot of gaming communities are kind of like, I'm going to form a guild or I'm going to form a team and like, we're going to decide for ourselves like little governing principles, like what, what values we want to express and so that's what I did for my uh, studies when I was uh, working on my doctorate was trying to research these gaming communities and figure out like, how are they grappling with questions about gender and sexuality and like who was being invited expressly into these spaces and who were being kind of like gate kept out of these spaces. I grew up the youngest of uh, four, but I very early, like those 2D like Mario games, couldn't get enough Mario Kart, mm. loved so much. <laughs> um, and then and then I think, and then they also loved like Doom, which like scared the shit out of me. Like that, that game yeah. scared the shit out of me so much so that I think it actually like scared me said. away from games for like a really long time. And then my figure skating coach, um, when I met her in like 2018, she was like really into Mario Kart. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't been into Mario Kart in a minute. So then I started playing again. So like since 1819, it's been like, <laughs> I've been this like Mario Kart queen. Um, and then I got a switch, like I got a switch again. And then I was like Mario Karting on there a lot. And then anytime there was like a new Mario like game, I was doing that new Mario game, but they don't have like that many new Mario games. Like it's kind of, they're kind of like, you know, not that often. So then I kind of like, then COVID happened and like a bunch of my gays like got really obsessed with Mario Kart. And then we went really deep into Mario Kart and I never really left Mario Kart, but you can only like do so much before you're like, I never could do the one where you take the bumpers off. Like I just never graduated to that level. Like I need oh, the bumpers yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. And I just don't understand like the accelerate, yes, yes. And, like the slingshot like thing when you don't have the bumper thing and like all those little shortcuts. So kind of like figure skating, it's like once I got to the part where I was like too scared to learn anymore, then I kind of just like gave up. So then, mm. so then I got more into like, and this last little bit, it's been more through my friends, like, you know, GTA and like Fortnite. So um, with all of the games that I just said, <laughs> uh, what were your first games that got you obsessed with games? Yeah, my, the first game I remember really getting behind was uh, 
GTA, mm-hmm. GTA was the first one that I really leaned into. I had to go sneak it out of my older brother's bedroom <laughs> to bring it out and play in the late hours of the night when people were asleep. Um, for people who don't know, like GTA is a for mature adults kind of uh, kind of game, and that's what I did. That was like that was my introduction to GTA. And I still love it. I think so too. And it, it, a lot of really exciting news with GTA um, coming up in with their new new game. But with GTA, what, why? What is it? What's their new game? Oh my gosh! Go! You need to watch this trailer. You need what is to it? It's like it's like a pass. It's is it not Los Santos? GTA Six. GTA, oh, it's like the new one. It's biggest map. Yeah, it's going to be really. It's like really, cool. really as big um, as Los Angeles. It's like a whole bigger Los Santos, honey. Uh, we, hopefully, less traffic, but. Yeah. Ooh. My game that I uh, can't stop playing is League of Legends. So that's that's kind of my oh, esport yeah. uh, addiction. And it's, I, I, for me, mm. I think it's because you get a little ranked number and I want the number to go up. I want What's that game about? So that the number goes up. Uh, it's a f- five versus five game. I almost liken it to football because you're trying to protect your territory and advance into the other team's territory. And then every individual player has a different utility. So someone might deal a lot of damage. Another person might be like the big beefy guy that can absorb a lot of punishment. Someone else might be um, like a healer who restores their team. And so you have to coordinate with your teammates to make a good composition. And then you have to cooperate with them to move tactically together. And, you know, if it's online with strangers, sometimes you get a good group that cooperates and sometimes you don't. But that's mm-hmm. the kind of general summary of it, I would say. When we talk about the gaming industry, like how big of an industry and amount of people are we talking about? So I went and grabbed some numbers on this. So Variety Magazine recently published a report by Global Data that said that in 2022, the video game industry was at two, valued at $217 billion, which is more than the film and music industry combined. Um, so it is just humongous to the point that I think is maybe a lot of mainstream folks can't understand because it is so huge and yet also so invisible to certain segments of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is expected to be uh, hitting 300 billion by 2025. So it is like extremely massive. It's extremely global. It, you know, is connecting people all around the world. Um, and that's kind of like from the numbers perspective. But Sibby, I didn't know if you had some, because you were a, kind of our resident Fortnite gamer between <laughs> the two of us. I know. Yeah. I, for now, I got to get you on my duo. Um, but yeah, I think the the numbers speak a really important story. And also when we're thinking about gaming, I'm not just thinking Fortnite. I'm thinking mobile gaming. And when you see kids that are out, you know, waiting in the restaurant and they have like their tablet and they're playing a game or when I'm at a basketball game, I've sometimes seen a kid playing Minecraft on their tablet. So who are playing video games, it's really everybody. And if it's not in this specific silo of like Call of Duty or Fortnite, then it's not a video game. We're seeing it in a variety of different ways now that it's so accessible. And so the the billions of dollars that are invested into video games, it makes sense because it's everybody. Like it's it's so part of our 
our culture and our everyday life that nobody's safe. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's playing games. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a really um, impactful industry in a lot of different ways. Um, what are like the categories of games? There's like, there's like single player, then there's like, and, and, and then there's like multiverse or like, what are like the fab five of genres of video games? Like, or like, what are like the top five or top three or something? I feel like you're trying to get us canceled because now we're going to, we're going to have like a controversial opinion because so genre differentiation is so disputed. Oh, it, it really depends like what part of the game you're talking about, because you could talk about game genre in terms of like, like story in the same way that you would a film, right? Like this is a fantasy game. This is a sci-fi game, whatever you could talk about genre in terms of like, what is the, dominant mechanic is it an exploration game or is it a uh, building game or is it a fighting game or or a tactics game or you could mm. talk about the, the one that you were kind of uh gesturing towards was like is this a single player experience or a multiplayer experience is it cooperative or is it competitive and what's so, cooperative oh oh cooperative is like when you're working in a village and competitive is like when you're trying to kill everyone yes or it could be both, right? It could be I'm working together oh, you're a team with a team killing to the fight other team. team. Yeah. Oh fuck. So like squad on Fortnite, like battle royale squad. That's like cooperative and competitive. Squad. Oh. Mm -hmm. oh, tell us. Yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. But then, but then, but what about two D? Like, are we even like does two D even count anymore? Like, oh, if you're like absolutely. a Tandy girl or whatever. Yeah. So there's uh, especially in the indie game development scene, there's a lot of folks who are really into exploring kind of the retro aesthetic and kind of like rewinding games and saying, what were some of the interactions that we had on some of those older systems, like your, you know, your Nintendo entertainment system or your Atari or whatever. And what can we like do when we have these technical limitations on ourselves and we aren't going for like maximum realism and ultra 3d and smell of vision and virtual reality and all that. Like what if we just rewind it back and we say, you have two buttons, you have, flat pixel 2D mm -hmm. graphics. Like, can we still tell a compelling story? Can we still create these interesting interactions? And I, I really find that an interesting, like artistic challenge of like, if we impose all these limitations on ourselves, can we still create this mm -hmm. like kind of satisfying gameplay experience? If you're like me, the threat of fascism is weighing on you this year. But even when the F word is uttered, way too few of us are considering the full scope of the danger, let alone how to really stop it. The Refuse Fascism podcast hosted by Sam Goldman names it, dissects it, and connects in-depth analysis of what fascism is with the understanding and urgency we need to defeat it. And she is joined by great guests to discuss the threat of civil war, attacks on abortion rights and trans rights, Trump and the theocrats, Project 2025, efforts to erase history and critical thinking, and much more. Check out recent episodes featuring Kathleen Ballou, Jeff Charlotte, Sarah Posner, Wujahat Ali, Dahlia Lithwek, and many more. Subscribe to the Refuse Fascism podcast on your listening platform of choice or go to refusefascism.org slash podcast. Let's face it. I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like 
a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, so Fortnite. Um, <laughs> why am I obsessed? Is it just because it's so beautiful? Like, why is it so pretty? <laughs> it's a collection of art, right? And I think Fortnite is really impactful in a lot of different ways. But uh, I think it's, yeah, it's such an exciting um, game because it continuously is updating. So when you think about maybe people who don't play video games as much anymore, you 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 play GoldenEye 007. That's the only thing you play. That and, was a good one. That scared me. Uh, a classic. My brother's like that. A classic. Yeah. I mean, and kind of similar like GTA. You play the storyline and, and that's it. And you do GTA things in GTA. I really do like it. It's really fun. It's just Fortnite is like prettier. It's so good. Like I, I want to be a character on Fortnite so bad. <laughs> like I like, can they, can we get a queer eye on Fortnite? Like I just, like I just think it, uh, I heard that you can't, I, it's like the Megan's like eyes just went like, actually there's a way. You're just like, no, going to hop like, into. I would so watch that. Like a reality TV show <laughs> set in a virtual world where you're remaking like mm. a guild and you're teaching them like, mm. so, cause it's like, I'm thinking about all the different angles, right? It would be like someone helps you remake your avatars and make them stylish. And then someone else is like, let's work on your communication as a team. And like another person's oh, like, let's yeah. rebuild your, you know, reorganize your guilds. Well, like, I definitely need that with space. my friend who got mm-hmm. me into Fortnite because she's always accusing me of like running away. And she's like, you're the only one who's not with the group right now. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're one of those. No, she's <laughs> just out with her. No, she's out with her. No, 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 Sibby. <laughs> because she is out with Nate, who is the editor of this very <laughs> podcast. And they hey, will go out and do, they go do all this stuff. And then I... <gasps> They just, you know, they have this whole code, this whole language. And then I just, it's like, I don't pay attention for three (laughs) seconds. And next thing I know, they're clear fucking over here. And then, yeah. So what? I see a little battle. I think, yeah, I'm going to go kill these four people alone. Yeah, I do. I do that. I do it. Okay. I just learned about the grapple gun. I get drunk with power. I think I can do it alone. And I can't. And that is reflective of my life. Okay. I love that Mm -hmm. reflection. Well, no, I mean, I, I just, I'm on a, uh, in a League of Legends group that we're called the Desperados. And we have a coach who works with us on, you know, how to communicate mm. while you're in the game and how to coordinate everyone's attention and make sure that's like not a Can thing I get their email? Because I need to call them in for our group I, can therapy. I get, with my... Can I invite you to our Discord? They would freak out. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, I really <laughs> do need go. their work because my friend, whose name I was about to say, but I'm not. She, <laughs> they need a fucking lesson from. I don't. I'm perfect. I know I am. I have no no oh, notes for me. No. I'm reliable. <laughs> no always notes. where I say I'm going to be. Um, no, I know. I get it. I. Uh, also, speaking of Fortnite, 
You had said earlier, because it, it's so, if you don't know about Fortnite, every three months, there's like a new, like they change everything. Like everything mm-hmm. changes. It's like you get used to an island and then it changes. And there, and again, there's like so many different ways to play Fortnite, but in this battle royale world. And is it true? Like, to be like, if you play the other games, like does everything about every game change every three months? Or just the island? No. Uh, yeah. The, Fortnite's unique in a lot of ways of just how much it, it changes these new chapters, new seasons. But Megan talking about League of Legends, I don't think that's changed much at all since its existence. Well, Megan, you can correct me if I'm in wrong. In little but, ways. So they'll make little tweaks. Yeah. Um, they'll change like the power level of various things or like they just, the, for this season that just started in January, they made some small changes to the map. But Definitely not in the sense that, like, we literally blew everything yeah, like, up, like, literally exploded it and uh, in a story event, and then now everything is completely different. <laughs> I was also just going to say a thing that we didn't get to mention either is that Fortnite is extremely accessible across machines. So if you have a PC mm. or if you have a console or if you, like, have a Switch or whatever, you are still able to play together, whereas a lot of multiplayer games... They're not cross-platform. Right. So I think mm-hmm. that, especially for young people, like, you know, mm-hmm. if if you are young enough that your access to video games is dependent on what system your parents bought for you, right? Like, if, if my parents bought me a PlayStation, they're not going to go get me an Xbox. You already have a PlayStation, right? And so, so many of these games are siloed to, like, one system. This one, you can play with all your friends from school, no matter what system that they have. And I think that's a really big driver of the popularity of Fortnite. I started playing Fortnite on my iPad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And my (laughs) husband just got me a thing to put on my iPhone so I can play in like the plane if it has like high speed Wi-Fi. (laughs) It's major. Um, Okay. um, So when we talk about gamers, who are we really talking about? You mean not that person in the parents basement eating Doritos and Mountain Dew and all that. Uh, yeah, that, that stereotype that unfortunately still lives on. But I don't know. I think it's for everybody. I always like to say when people are like, you know, I'm not a gamer or I don't play video games. And I challenge them with, you haven't found the game for you yet because it absolutely exists. There's so many uh, options that I think everybody can be a gamer. And I th- deep down they are. And if you don't think that you are, you just haven't found the right game yet. I agree with that. But I also think that because games are such a powerful cultural force right now, there are people out there who want to hold on to control of that space and who want to say there are only certain people within this space who really count. And so that's when you start to Mm. get people who look at games like The Sims or like certain mobile games and say, well, those don't count as real games. Real games are like Fortnite or like Call of Duty or like GTA. And that's, I mean, not to make everything about my own research, but like a lot of what my research is about is trying to figure out like where that story came from. Like, why is it that certain genres of games or certain kind of um, aesthetics of games have been elevated as the ones that we talk about in popular culture and the ones that really count. It, for, for those of you listening at home, I'm doing air quotes. I just realized no one can see me doing that. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, there's all of these other groups. Like The Sims is one of, if not the uh, highest selling games franchises in video I forgot history. about it. And I played it. There was like a good three mm-hmm. years there, like seventh to 10th grade. Like, so that would have been mm-hmm. like... 
99 to like 2002, I had like a major Sims moment. Absolutely loved it. Still holds like a special place in my heart. But yeah, that's totally gaming. And we wouldn't necessarily Mm -hmm. like, that doesn't leap in mind to me as, as, but it totally is. It just doesn't have like violence necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a subgroup of gamers. Like I kind of think of them in my mind as like capital G gamers, like people for whom, um, their love of video games is a big part of their identity. And it's really important for them to say like, I am distinguishing myself from other people because I care about games. And so when, when that person gets confronted with this notion that like, well, everyone plays games, your mom plays solitaire on her phone. And they're like, well, I have to be different than that. That has, that has to be something else. That's not the thing that is Mm. what my identity is built around. And a lot of that, I think, mm. does come from the way that video games were marketed for a long time. So we can get into that if, if you're interested. But- yeah, and it's like, because it's like Wordle. <laughs> like, that can be mm-hmm. a game. Like, that can be gaming or, like, a crossword. It's mm-hmm. like, it's really just like an evolution of, like, problem solving and and talking about things with each other. Because, like, it's kind of fun to have something in common to, like, talk to. Like, it's like, did you get that crossword answer? It's like, that's kind of what Fortnite can be like. It's like, how did you beat this person or do this task? Like, that's really fascinating. Have you seen... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I was just going to say, have you seen the watermelon game on TikTok? No, what's that? Oh, it's gosh. the most addicting Big thing. I, my brother and his wife and I spent about six hours playing it on New Year's Eve. It's... <laughs> you know, it costs $3 on the Switch. I don't it's like, oh. I don't know how much it costs on Steam, but it's just this little, like, tiny thing. And we were screaming at our TV about it. We were just like, <laughs> no, don't put it there. What are you doing? And it was just, and, like, that's a video game. And we had this amazing, like, bonding mm-hmm. experience over it. If you show that same game yeah. to, you know, someone who's really invested in kind of gatekeeping the hobby, they might be like, that's just a, a mobile toy like that's not a video game mm-hmm. it's like well why not it's digital it's you know it's on the switch which is a video gaming console it brought us together we had a ton of fun doing it like what's the what's the purpose of bounding that off and saying well not that and i think what i discovered mm-hmm. through my research is the purpose is betressing and holding up other parts of your identity like if gaming is how i express my masculinity or my heterosexuality, then gaming has to be aesthetically oriented around me using that as like a prosthetic to help me project that identity into the world. And games like The Sims or like Barbie's Dream House or like this watermelon game, if they don't do that work, well, then they must not count as video games. Because I've been told from all the marketing and the advertising that I've consumed that what video games are for is for helping me feel like a manly man. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, I, there's this thing in Fortnite where you can like emote and there's like these things where you can like go to this like part in the game and like the store and you can like buy these emotes. So it's like these like different things that you can do. Um, and some of them are like, actually I think Fortnite's getting sued right now because sometimes they like steal choreography from like TikTok for emotes. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, like, they just added this one where it's, like, fuetes. Like, you know, fuetes. Like, doing, like, this pirouette. It's, like, a dance thing. Um, and I I got it. The second I saw fuetes on this store, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> give me the fucking fuetes. I got it. I went to shop. I got my V-Bucks. I got my fuetes. And now when I kill someone, my favorite thing to do is, like, to emote on them doing fuetes. Like, once I kill someone, because uh, you can see that, like, they're watching you. I love to do fuetes. And I always hope that it's, like, a Republican, conservative young man, just so that he knows that I am a big old fucking faggot who is literally <laughs> doing fuetes on their grave. I want them to know. 
I want them to see. <laughs> In the brand new book, Dear Bi Men, author, peer counselor, and creator of the hashtag Bisexual Men Speak, J.R. Youssef offers an unapologetic guide for readers who are black, mask, and bi. The book features cutting social analysis, personal stories, and reclaims bi plus visibility in a culture of erasure. It also offers practical feedback on how to unlearn internalized biphobia and homophobia, fight back against erasure and stigma. Navigate sex, dating, partnerships, marriage, friendship, and much more. It's available now wherever books are sold. North Atlantic Books is offering listeners 25% off plus free shipping. Purchase Dear Buy Men at www.northatlanticbooks.com and use code CURIOUS25 at checkout for 25% off and free shipping. U.S. mailing address required. You ever own something that inspired you to up your game? We spend so much time in our cars, it's nice to have a car that makes you feel good. It's giving me like, you deserve to take care of yourself, girl. Honey, I just love Alexis because it's giving luxury. It just gives like, nice. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. And the features on this GX, honey? Available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Available front row massaging seats. Ooh! Available 33-inch all-terrain tires. That's wide! Available multi-terrain select. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Do you stream at all? Is that like Twitch? Yes. I don't do that. No. <laughs> Great idea. Um, okay. That's because usually on this podcast, I like pressure people to get on TikTok. I love that the roles have been reversed. And now <laughs> I am like having the encouragement to join a new platform, which is Twitch. I'm obsessed. I'm Maybe I will. I'm going to research it. <laughs> so I found that before I understood like the microphone on PS5 and like settings and like how much I wanted mm. to hear other people talk versus not... I just, like, couldn't believe the amount of, like, racism and, like, um, misogyny and, like, transphobia and homophobia. Um, and then I know that I'm bringing that up after I, um, you know, called myself a faggot. But I do think it's, like, fine for me to, like, you know, emote with fuetes. And I just, it's like, sure. when you're calling yourself one, like, and to, you know own the conservatives it's fine you know i love to own i love to we need to give them <laughs> yeah we need to like, give, it's like what's like owning the libs of the conservatives whatever um <laughs> okay. you know we need to have our have our, our terminology uh but so what is like the permeate like is there a permeation or like just like a huge amount of like all right like hardcore men dude toxic man bros in in those sort of more violent games I was going to say, I want to separate out because there's there's two issues, right? There's players who feel emboldened by the fact that this is a digital space. And so they want to experiment with, I'm going to say the words that if I said them at school, I might get punched in the face. And like, mm -hmm. one thing I want to make clear is I don't believe that video games as a form are because they are, you know, violent or because they are competitive are like making people do things that they wouldn't have done. Usually it's not like brainwashing the youth into making them worse. It's more like 
video games are the place where people congregate. And when people congregate, there's some percentage of assholes, right? Like, so it's not that the games are making people do this. So there's that part. And maybe Sibby could speak a little bit more to that. But I want to separate that out from like the alt-right, like political Mm. uh, people who are intentionally going into these spaces because they want to introduce young people to political ideas like with a strategy. And I feel like those... Those two sometimes get conflated because the the bro assholes who just want to like shout out naughty words or like horrific words because no one can touch them are providing cover for the people who are going into these spaces intentionally in order to try to expose people to their ideology in hopes that if 99 out of 100 tell me to shut up and mute me and one out of 100 says, oh, what, well, what is the great replacement? Like, can you explain to me more about why you think the Holocaust didn't happen? And if it's one out of a hundred expresses some interest, you can put them, you can say, oh, well, come join my discord. We'll tell you all about it. Come, you know, visit me and my friends mm-hmm. and we can, you know, on, on board you into some of this stuff. And those are like two separate questions. So like, I want to, I want to yeah. kind of separate out like the alt-right from like just toxic racist and sexist but <laughs> yeah i only talk to like my two like i have like three gaming friends and like i Good. only talk to like those ones like i don't yeah. have it on i can't just hear people like that anymore it's too traumatizing yeah um or a lot of people uh unfortunately just completely disconnect from that you know and totally they just don't talk when a lot i know a lot of uh feminine presenting people who just say like yeah i just turn off talking because i know it's gonna be mm-hmm. a problem every time uh, I think a thing that is that bodes well for the future is that a lot of game development companies are trying to look into like technical solutions. So whether that is um, some sort of AI that can detect when things are going awry and that can offer warnings to players or that can mute mute them, you know, if you're if you're talking tr- too much trash, you just get muted by the system, or whether that means developing player feedback mechanisms so that if enough of your fellow players say like you are making my games worse then you have some sort of thing that gets attached to your account Um, or even just you know I know a lot of games are also experimenting with alternate modes of communication so what if you just don't get to chat what if instead you have a range of like 10 different gestures or emotes or like little word balloons that pop up over your head and you know I'd that is not my area of research, so I don't want to be like, and the most effective <laughs> one is this, but to know that there are researchers and that there are companies who are looking into that and recognizing it as a problem is a big step in comparison to maybe 10, 15 years ago when the answer was just, well, if you can't handle it, then don't play our game. So, Sibby, you're a member of the Queer Women in Esports organization. I need to hear about this fun community, mm-hmm. about this. What, what What's the deal with this? <laughs> Yeah, it's a great nonprofit. Um, I I think another hopeful future is that there are a lot of communities that their their interests are the same. Like, hey, we all like playing video games. We're all queer women. Let's talk about it. Uh, and so it's a a virtual space. And Queer Women at Esports is one of of many really great organizations that have uh, popped up and been that layer of support and you meet people from around the world and you have this connection on this very, you know, it could be a very, very specific thing or something that's more broad. Uh, but the online community is alive and well and queer women at youth is a, is a great one. Um, 
among a lot of other like really impressive and uh, important work that's going on. I just had a full intrusive thought for a plot for a movie, which is that um, there is this like straight woman who desperately wants to join the um the queer women esports like community <laughs> and then like her big secret okay. is that she's straight and she just like really doesn't want to she like doesn't want to be found out for being straight but she's like really like prefers to hang out with all like the queer women she just like feels like she's mm. just like look like i am accidentally heterosexual and i also don't want to like you know colonize <laughs> this like space for queer women um i just really want to be a lesbian I just am not technically I could be an asexual lesbian and like that's like her like that's the plot and then (laughs) but I don't know how it would Mm. land and I don't know if the women would end up being like bitch get out like we're like get the fuck out of here um I don't know I I don't know how it I'm not a queer woman in 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 gaming or esports I don't I can't I don't know but that just was the that I just had that thought I, I like it. I mean, but it allows that actor to have an experience of like what they want, you know, of having that like acceptance of who they are and, you know, the, the internet for better or for worse, we can kind of be whoever we want to be. And I think also with the queer dynamic of it too is people know who I am in this space, you know, like I don't have to come out or, you know, you know what I mean? I, I have that relatable um, experience in some way. So like, yeah, I, I think that movie speaks to this too and how people can show up in a video game of, is it the superhero, the hero of your own story? And is it you and you want a place to feel accepted? Yeah. Like that's, that's part of it. That's why community matters. That's, it's, what we experience every day as humans and we can do it more accessibly now with the internet and with video games. Like how how fun can that be to go through that with a video game as your vessel? And how come Megan, when I'm done or like, how come when I finish a loop on battle Royale, no build, I just mm-hmm. am like one more, like one more time. <laughs> like why, like why do I love it so fucking much? One why do we love game. it so much? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, so the closure of a loop is just like a thing that is uh, evolutionarily like psychologically satisfying and in the same way, like, Mm. do you ever watch um, like YouTube videos where it's like a machine and the machine is like, you know, stamping Mm. molds or something. And it's just so repetitive and every time it's perfect. And then you're just like, yes, I could just sit here and watch this all day. And I think like what gaming loops do is when the loop gets completed, your brain releases chemicals that say like, you know, ah, like that feels good. It could be like the dopamine rush of a win, or it could, could just be like, you know, the, the chemical that says, you know, okay, like this, this thing has been completed. We have reached an ending. And that feels so good, especially because video games are very predictable. So you can know, like, I can have the same chemical in about, nine minutes or how I think long I love predictability like you guys I love predictability you're right that is a part of it that's part of why I like we because it's like <laughs> oh I know how that's gonna make me feel we know is there anything <laughs> that we didn't cover that you guys just think like as someone who's like newly into gaming as myself and our listeners just need to know about gaming history of gaming any final thoughts it's like I used to say this on the podcast all the time I haven't said it for a long time but it's like yogini recess it's like it's the end of your yoga class you get to do whatever pose you want to do uh, do you want to share anything with the class, honey? It's it's your guys' time. Mm-hmm. It's your moment. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I, I could think I want to start off by asking you a question, Jonathan, of what do you, when you play Fortnite, what is it that you really enjoy about it? Killing bitches. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was hoping you would say getting to play with my friends. Oh, and <laughs> that too. You talk about uh, and killing, it's so pretty. Uh, you know, anything in your sight. And it's so pretty. And, but I think it's important to continuously, like, it's really easy to get sucked into the, this is why gaming is shitty or scary or, you know, insert whatever, whatever Oh, it is yeah, there. no, it's like but for connection. I, it's like about for me to connect with my friends Well, and kill bitches. I think it's, yeah, that's a, it's, it's wild that we get to do that. You know, we have the technology where, you know, in our lifetime, we've seen this really grow. And so I think sometimes it's also... Uh, as much as we can focus on the shitty parts of it, it's also what a cool way to be able to connect with my friends and get out this rage. Yeah, and also when I said <laughs> killing bitches, players. I meant to say winning. <laughs> I meant to say I In really game. like attempting to win, yeah. competing. It's right. competing. Yeah, and you work with a team yes. and you achieve the goal and you have, um, yeah. When you get a bit crown, which is like when you get a crown and then you defend that title like in the next game, like when you, like, mm-hmm. I just think that's like a bigger deal and I feel like these people don't really, like, I feel like that, I feel like that means something and I feel like you should get, like, there should be mm-hmm. something cooler for you when that happens, generally. I just like, it's like, mm-hmm. this, like it's like they don't even care. And I'm like, I just want a fucking bit yeah. crown. Are you fuck? What? What? What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> it's like it's like getting a turkey exactly. and bowling, and like they don't give you a fucking turkey on the screen. Like, I want a stamp. I know that is very real. That's a real feeling. And when you do get those, or an it, emote, like an mm-hmm. emote that's only available if you have achieved a bit crown. That's what it should be. There should be that. Send epic of invoice. That's right. Like this, it's just like it's like more serious. Like my friend, like like my friend who I've been talking about this whole time. Like if my leg got blown Mm -hmm. off, like in an accident, and she was my next of kin, (laughs) and she was attempting to get a bit crown. It's why she's not my next of kin. Because I'd be fucked. Like, she won't answer the fucking phone. Because, like... No, because, like, seriously, like, a bit crown. Like, she doesn't fucking... She doesn't fuck around for that. And I just, like, for that level of involvement, they should be rewarding our addiction bigger and more majorly (laughs) than with just, like, taking it for granted, is what I think. It makes me think about how, you know, again, just to, to circle back to what we've been discussing this whole time, like the sense of accomplishment that you have when you achieve a goal in these spaces, it's like, it doesn't matter if the goal doesn't make sense to someone who doesn't live in, in this world. It makes me think about the news stories that have been out recently about the 13 year old who defeated Tetris. Tetris. Yeah. And yeah. there was the, there was that yeah. reporter who was just like, this is an accomplishment. It's just a video game. Like people shouldn't be this excited about it. And it was just like, why? Like you can get a world record for, you know, longest surfing or, you know, biggest pancake or like, it's just humans like to push the boundaries of things and humans feel good when they set a goal for themselves and they accomplish it. Mm. And so, you know, if we, we learned this during COVID video games were a way that people were able to experience like self-efficacy and feel like, you know, I don't have control mm. over what's going on outside my window, but I do have control over this and I can strive and I can achieve in this space. And so mm. that is that is a powerful force. And I, I too have a lot of hope that, you know, we can kind of marshal those forces towards, you know, making people feel happier and feel healthier and like developing their social skills and their intellect and their spatial skills and, and all of these different things. And we just do have to 
make sure that we're keeping our eyes on it and that we're, uh, you know, not just dismissing it as, oh, you know, that thing that doesn't matter because I don't understand it. We need to make sure that, mm. you know, experts and parents and adults just are keeping their eye on that space and, and seeing how it's developing so that we can make sure that we nurture it in, in a healthy direction for society. I mean, Mike, drop on <laughs> that, y'all. Um, stick around for a sec- for a wrap up segment and see if I learned the things. Um, in the meantime, Megan and Sibby, thank you so much for coming. Getting curious, we appreciate you so mm-hmm. much. And stick around uh, for our final segment, and we'll see about what I learned. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, our pleasure. Thank you. So we're going to include links to Sibby and Megan's socials of whatever social they're using uh, the most because I didn't actually get there in the recording. My bad. There was so much to talk about. Um, but let's wrap this up. Did I learn the thing? When it comes to why am I so obsessed with Fortnite, I think I did learn why I'm obsessed on the surface, but it did make me really curious onto like the psychology of a loop. Like what are the brain chemicals that my brain is making when I'm playing? Like what's the actual like, what is the chemical compositions going on uh, in my brain when I'm playing Fortnite. But I think on the whole, it's about like loops. It's about, there is some chemicals at play here, like the loop being like the beginning, middle and end of the story. Um, I mean, we're seeing that. I mean, we do that on TV shows, like where it's like, you know, when you finish a show, it's like, oh, I want to watch the next one. It's like, it's a psychological thing of like, binging but it's like what what is that oh actually i think i did it's like it's like the predictability of it it's like the knowing what you're going to feel knowing that you're going to think it's going to be fun again i think there's like the familiarity to it and it's also visually engrossing like it's this huge fortnite especially is this like huge collection of bright and engaging art so actually i think i did learn about it it's just that i'm so addicted to it i want to keep learning more uh, um I think one of the most interesting things that I took away from this conversation is that gaming is a $217 billion industry. It's bigger than the music and film industries combined. I think that's another thing that we didn't really get to, but I am curious about for a future episode is like the industry of gaming and like who is at play in those lobbies. Um, Because it's like, I'd mentioned in the episode, like it seems like gaming in large, in a lot of ways is like the wild, wild west. Like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of enforcement or like governmental regulation. And so I am curious about like who's lobbying for gaming companies and gaming industries. Like how does the the legislation around gaming come into play? Safety um, for young, for really just for anyone that that are playing these games. Um, I think that's really interesting. Also, I didn't know that you could hire a video game coach. That's fucking incredible. And then also, like, this stigma around video games that we think that it's like, oh, it's like, you know, the 90s is like leading to violence. And even the way I was approaching the episode, it's like, I'm leery of like fraud or like online radicalization. It's like, yes, we should be leery of those things. But I do think that some of that stigmatization of like, and maybe it's, I I spoke on the episode about like the, the negativity or the, your survival complex, like, you know, the snake is going to kill you. The warm, fuzzy bunny is not going to kill you. And so it's like, I think because, you know, a lot of what we perceive is like either like, are you a warm, fuzzy bunny or are you a snake? And it's like being a non-binary bitch, I should be able to see the snake and bunny in one thing because really everything is a spectrum. And so I just think that's interesting why I more notice the negative things as the positive things, which also now makes me more curious about like the psychology of, threat, the psychology of not a threat. Um, why do we react to things in certain ways? Um, oh, I'm 
curious about like the industry and like the future of gaming. Like, what money does Meta want? Because it's like if it's worth two seventeen now, two hundred seventeen billion now, and it's only going up. No wonder like Netflix and Meta and other people are trying to get to the table of like the gaming money. So it's like, what's the money at play, and what's the government at play when it comes to gaming? Yeah, that okay. So interest. And also, like, do I need to get on Twitch? And would you guys watch it? Um, anyway, uh, what episode of Getting Curious? I mean, I feel like this, because gaming is something I've been getting so much more into and spending so much more time on, I really feel like I'm only scratching the surface on this topic on the pod. And I'm sure we'll be coming back for more of it. So thanks for listening to Getting Curious, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. You can learn more about this week's guests and their areas of expertise in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. You can follow us on Instagram at CuriousJBN. Yes. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. Our editor is Nathaniel McClure. Getting Curious is produced by me, Chris McClure, Julia Melfi, and Allison Weiss with production support from Julie Carrillo, Ann Curry, and Chad Hall.